Maxwell, welcome to our latest Generation podcast. And my guest this morning is one of the, shall we say, fathers of Scottish evangelicalism, um, Andy Bathgate. Andy is the Chief Executive Officer of Scripture Union Scotland. And I suppose I, I, I do mean that. I'm not being flippant when I say one of the fathers of Scottish evangelicalism. We just lost Pete Churnside mm. uh, a few weeks ago. Pete was just one of those towering figures um, who've been part of, of the church landscape in Scotland for forever. Uh, Andy, you come into that category. You are a living legend. Welcome. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> hope I can live up to this. <laughs> Tell us a little bit of your story. I, I've known you uh-huh. in two positions now, yep. um, UCCF and Scripture Union. Tell us a brief uh, timeline of, of what your story is. Yeah, well, I actually went into UCCF Pretty much straight after university, I, I did a teacher training and, and I imagine I would go into teaching, yeah. which I did for two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. that was oh, That's a story. I wasn't sacked or anything. But anyway, I went <laughs> into UCCF and then I did three years uh, with UCCF and then a church came and asked, um, and my background's in the Brethren, so a Brethren church came and asked if we would work with them. Mm-hmm. So we did that. It, it lasted three years and then... Um, the night after we decided that that should finish, UCCF contacted me again, to- totally out of the blue, and asked right. if I would come back and work with them. So um, I became the first Scottish team leader for UCCF, which I did for another 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then as that drew to a close, it's quite interesting because someone came on the team who I thought, you're my natural successor. You can take this in places that I, I can not yeah. And I felt it was right then to stand down. Um Although one of the good things about UCCF was that um, you had to regularly renew contract. So it wasn't just a case of staying on. Yeah, uh, You had to actually make a decision that you would every, yeah. every uh, five years, uh, which was good. And then um, I, the first job I'd ever applied for actually was the SU job. Mm-hmm. And um, that, uh, that worked out. And I've been there since 2001. And right. it's just been... Great. I, I I can honestly say I'm as motivated about that job now as I was the day I, I started. Uh, yeah, really I, can, I can identify with that yeah. spirit. So many things I'd love to talk to you. I mean, you mentioned the Brethren there. Uh, what's it say? The largest church in the world as I used to be in the Brethren. <laughs> that's, <fine. laughs> that's, that's maybe a story for, for another day, the whole Brethren movement and its, uh, its positives and negatives if there are any. But I, I want to talk mostly about Scripture Union in Scotland. Um, your vision statement, let mm. me just remind you of it, uh, is our vision at SU Scotland is to see children and young people of Scotland exploring the Bible and responding to the significance of Jesus. Mm. I just want to unpack some of that just mm. now. Mm. Um, enjoy Exploring the Bible. Andy, does the Bible excite you? Or, or how does this old religious document excite young people in Scotland? Mm. I think I think it it well it, it excites me um, very much, and I think it's the it's the freshness of coming to Scripture and discovering its um, its its relevance to what we're doing. Just increasingly, the case it's just it's just terrific, isn't it? As well as just thrilling you with you know. I remember <laughs> going through. I travel through on the bus to Glasgow to the office, and. Um, there's that verse in Luke which says, you know, God is merciful to the ungrateful and the wicked. Yeah. And I read that 
And I wanted to stand up on the bus and punch the air and yeah. say, have you heard this? You know yeah. I mean? It's just, it's just thrilling, isn't it? Um, I think what we're discovering, we've, we've used um, a, a book uh, called Dear Theo. I don't know if you've come across this. Dear so, Theo. Okay. Yeah. It's look and act together yeah. with some uh, cartoons in it. And um, it's just gone down terrifically well this summer. With with kids and every every child that has come to camp and um, and to missions have been able to receive a copy of that because I mean the Bible is a genuinely life changing book so Absolutely. kids are engaging then with Luke and Acts through yeah. this medium yeah yeah I mean creatively but they're they're doing it and I think partly because there's a lot of kids who just have no they're not immune to it because um, because they've heard it time and time again and it's become you know, it's it's fresh, it's new to them, uh, and and it's touching their where they are because there's so many needy kids there. You know, when when you read us some of the the stories, I mean, you would think immediately Luke 15. You know, the stories of the lost uh, the lost son in particular. There are so many children in that in that position who are just looking for love, and and you know, one of the key things that uh, that stands out in my mind from this year was a boy at one of our camps and the leader said, he just constantly said, I feel safe here. Right. And you know what that, if you were to unpack that and sure. just to see what lay behind that. Um, and, and it's the gospel that, yep. that answers that. Yeah. The know? word safe is so, such a, a powerfully positive word, isn't it? In, it is. In today's aye. culture. Aye. Do you find that kids know the content of the Bible? You know, we can maybe assume that folk of our generation, even not church kids, knew the big stories. Uh, they, they knew, you know, Noah and the Flood, Daniel mm-hmm. and the Lion's mm-hmm. Den, the Good Samaritan. What, what's the landscape like these days? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's not great, actually. Um, it, there's a lot of a lot of young people, and sadly, I think it's true of those right. that are within church as well. They, their knowledge of the Bible is not great. Um, there's big gaps in it. I think. Right. I mean, just just again on the on the more positive and exciting side, we do this thing called Bible Alive. Yep, I was going you, to come to that. Ah, yeah. were you? Right. Unpack well, it. And, and that. Um, that is a, a six-week thing, mainly within primary schools, taking children through the whole story of the Bible. And I've, I've seen, I've been in some of these sessions where our staff have done them, and the kids are just riveted, you know, they sure. just love it. And, and the, the thing that they get, which is the most exciting thing, is that looking at the Old Testament, the sacrifices particularly, and then coming to Jesus, they get it that this is part of one story. And if only we could, and we've, we've also produced, um, my colleague Leslie Crawford has also produced this thing called One Big Story uh, for use in, um, again, in primary schools. And if kids can get that, you know, I think I think we're doing them a huge service. Yeah, I mean, we, when, in a previous life, when I was minister at Smithton, we put training on, we trained some folk in Bible Alive, mm. And it is one of the most powerful things. And MD from church is listening to this podcast. Certainly on the SU website, have a look at Bible Alive. 
and see how you can creatively teach the story. And I like that idea, the story, the one story from Genesis to Revelation mm. of the Bible. And mm. remember, the scripture in Straplite mm. uh, is responding to the significance of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's maybe a daft question, but is Jesus an interesting character? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th I think when, you, when you've got... Like that that young lad, you know, saying, I just feel safe here. It's because there's an environment there that that is is significantly different to what they're experiencing and what what really the the questions that then arise in their mind are, are answered by the fact that the Lord Jesus is present and that he is the one that we're we're seeking to follow. Um you know there are things that that happen, and and you you could explain them in different. Well, let let me just tell you a story of a, a lad who a couple of lads actually who came to one of our school residentials because schools come to our centres mm -hmm. for a week um, to do their, their school lessons, but then we also have some input in the um, in the evenings uh, with them, but. And, and that's significant. But there was there were a couple of lads. One was a boy who was a, an elective mute, right? And he came to this uh, this centre, and during the the week that he was there, he spoke more than he had ever done than mm -hmm, his, his mm -hmm. teachers had ever heard him speak. Mm -hmm. And then there was another boy who who was um, autistic, and and one of the Evidences of that was that before going through a door, he would have to open the door and close the door and open the door and close the door before he would go through. And in that week, he never did that. He just went through the doors. Right. Now, what was going on there? Mm -hmm. You could explain it in lots of ways, but we'd love to think that that group is prayed for, you know, that the, the, the staff are, are seeking to follow Jesus in their lifestyle and in their love. And and that that just has a so huge for hope. that moment there was a sense of something bigger hopefully in the room. So, um, yeah. Um, let me tease out that word safe a wee bit. I'm thinking uh, of the line of which in the wardrobe. Maybe you know where I'm going to go with this one when Mister Beaver asks about Aslan, mm -hmm. and here's that Aslan is a lion, mm -hmm. and asks the question: Is he safe? <laughs> and the famous reply: He's not safe. But he's good. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So there's an edginess there in Jesus. There's an edginess in Christianity. What I'm trying to tease out here, and this is what interests me, is that in Scotland, the churches which seem to be vibrant and growing and alive tend to be the churches that treat the Bible with some degree of respect and a living word. So have you ever in Scripture Union be tempted to just ease off in the Scripture part mm -hmm. of your title? It's something, it's something that, as a leadership team, and, and certainly in my role, I feel I've const constantly got to emphasise because I don't think we can just sit on our laurels. Just, just take one simple example where uh, someone in SU was teaching 
just to go back to the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son. And they wanted to teach it. They were planning to teach it without mentioning the elder brother. And that is because you don't want to complicate it for the children. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't, yeah. you want, you want, to want to introduce things that are going to make it difficult for them, which, you know, you can understand. But that, that is the slippery slope, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where you think we can um, kind of tailor the, yes. the, the story yes. to suit the needs yes. rather than just tell them the story. Yes. And that, is the kind of thing we constantly have to be yeah. alert to, and of course, I mean, we're under we're under pressure sometimes to just draw moral lessons from sure. scripture. And again, it's not Aesop's fables; it's not fairy stories. Exactly. You know, there's the story of redemption. Yeah, you know, lostness, renewal Aye. in in the Bible, and and anybody can draw moral lessons in an assembly sure. or in a, you know whatever. That's not really what the scriptures are doing, is it? Absolutely. Let me uh, just talk about various things here today. One of the things that I'm interested in is that you've been uh, chief executive since 2001. You've helped to run an organization which has remained the same in its values, Scripture Union, the clue is in the name, Mm -hmm. but yet you've seen change. I mean, we've... In a sense, we're doing a similar thing, Free Church of Scotland and the Generation Network. We are trying to reinvent and adapt, but retain our core values. Mm. Have you found that difficult in Scripture Union to change and yet stay true to your original aims? Um, I think it... It's the constant tension between uh, wanting to engage and um, and yet be faithful to Scripture. And when again, you have to be be careful, but just to show it shows the kind of weaknesses that could be there. You know, when when people in their preparation for um, presenting the gospel go first to the internet. Yes. Before they go to the passage. Yes. That's worrying. Yes. Now, we have had some of that. Yes. Um, and they do that with the best of intentions yes. because they want to be relevant, they want to engage, they want to be able to uh, show that they're yeah. down with the kids kind yeah. of thing. Um, but it means you're not going to the passage of Scripture to find mm-hmm. out what that mm-hmm. and of certainly use video clips or whatever mm-hmm. to illustrate the point that you've you've demonstrated comes from the mm-hmm. from the scripture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that is the constant tension i think mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. to be speaking in the language mm-hmm. relevantly of the of the culture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still to be speaking the truth i think that's our biggest and how, our have biggest you found challenge. it challenging to keep your support base i mean uh, your turnover is four point five million. Mm. It's you know it's, it's a big machine to keep going, uh, and the great thing is that virtually all of that money is all of it is used in mission mm-hmm. and evangelism. But you, like any other bodies, depends on on donation, goodwill, the financial largesse of mm-hmm. of others. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a temptation when a 
maybe a major funder says, I don't like that, mm-hmm. to back off. Um, we haven't particularly had that, but we certainly are aware of the the need. We, we can't chase the money. Yeah. Just what brings money in? Folks say money follows vision. Yeah. How, how do you respond to oh, that? Oh, I, I think that's definitely the case. Uh, and vision, um, as demonstrated through the passion of people. Yes. You know, because um, a lots of our support comes directly for individual staff. Yes. Who, um, whose friends and, and um, colleagues and, and others are thinking, yeah, you're into something that I really want to get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think we have just, and it, it, it's it's like, uh, I'm sure this is true in the Free Church as well, we just have such a great heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, we had people, um, particularly in the 50s and 60s, who laid a foundation mm-hmm. that just gained respect mm-hmm. for what you were doing. Yeah. That you could, you could uh, be faithful to Scripture, you could be committed to prayer as foundational, but but also have a lot of fun, yeah. give people enjoyment, you know, really gain respect in schools. And we're building still on that, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and our supporters have just been absolutely fantastic. And, and many of your supporters will be people who themselves were influenced. I mean, my yeah. Scripture Union story uh, was I, I was part of Scripture <laughs> Union mm. when I was growing up and... and going to school in, in Portree, and it was life-changing. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. made me begin to think about leaderships, you mm-hmm. know. So as a mm-hmm. small teenager of 15 and 16, the issue leader was giving me responsibilities. It's the very first time I ever prayed in public was in a scripture union group. The other yep. time I taught was in a scripture union, you know. Yep. Yep. So whatever my ministry has been, a significant amount of it is due to scripture union. Mm. Do you hear these stories all the time? We we do we do. It's absolutely fantastic. We we um just the other day there there was a chief inspector of police who was doing some stuff with us just in helping us think about incident management, and his story was was exactly that. He'd actually been invited along to an SU camp before he was a Christian, yeah. and the way he described it was that he and a few boys all became Christians on the same evening. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, we do, and just. You know, we we had a, a contact from a, um, a a pastor recently who was saying, I think he he was baptizing five or six young people in his church one evening, and he rang me to say all of them had said, yeah. you know, they'd become Christians yeah. through yeah. the ministry of SU. It, yeah. It's it's just it's great, and we're just so yeah. grateful to God for that. Really. I- I talk to a lot of the guys and girls who are involved in parachurch organisations. And in, in the podcast, we often do this, and, and I make the same point. Andy, can you tell us what the relationship is between Scripture Union and the church? Mm. Does parachurch mean against church? <laughs> um, you know, are we friends or are we foes? <laughs> I'd love to think we're, uh, we're, we're partners. Um, we 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 tend to avoid the parachurch designation You're right. because it is treated. It can sometimes be almost a a kind of um, a, a, a negative thing yep. against against used against you. 
we we've really been challenged by this, and and really have tried to say, look, unless we've we've put in various ways. One is to say, our desire for children, and young people, is that they give a lifetime of service in the local church. You know, if if they don't, if they're not, if if children, and young people coming through SU don't end up in local churches where they're where they're serving, we've we've failed. You know, because that's we're, we're not just about feathering our own nest, you know, building an SU empire. I mean, that does nothing. So we we want we want to try and serve the local church in in any way we can, and to be furthering the the aims of of local churches. And it it doesn't mean that we won't be doing stuff that um, that in some ways could be could be replicated in a local church. But I was I was quite taken by a, a pastor I spoke to recently who said that they had a, a youth work, but they decided that the benefits of their young people meeting with young people from a, across the range of churches mm-hmm. and being equipped specifically to work in schools mm-hmm. was worth it and that they would they would actually rather not run their own thing mm-hmm. for the benefits that these young people could have by meeting Christians from a variety of backgrounds and also being specifically equipped to, yeah. to serve Because you do stuff schools. like equip, the yeah. equip conference that you That's have. That's right. One in Edinburgh, it's yeah. one at Carubbers, you've got one in Glasgow, it's right. one at Tron Bath Street, um, dealing with really interesting issues mm. like transgender, feminism. And there you're getting kids from different church backgrounds yeah. together. So you're facilitators in, in, in many ways of that. I would I would hope that was the case. And and with the focus of I suppose one of the, the things that has concerned us in the past are large youth fellowships in churches, but very small SU groups in schools. Mm-hmm. Because you've got... And, and these young people may be evangelising in their school. They may be doing mission in their schools. I don't know, but it's... it's That's very, a great point. It's yeah. very easy to keep your head down. That's a really good point. And that... what, what these equip things are doing are saying, how can we strengthen you enable you to be a real missional influence in right. your in your schools. Okay, now here's maybe a wee tough question. Some folk may say that targeting young people is manipulative, mm. that you have access to schools, you've got access to other things. How would you respond to that? Because mm. it's a very real concern mm. out there. It is, and we have we have to be very aware of that danger. The reason we've chosen that these words, exploring the Bible and responding to the second coming of Jesus, is really partly to address that. Yes, um, they're words that appear really within curriculum for excellence, yes. so they they fit with the the kind of way in which education is being done. But also, it's exploring. It's not. It's allowing children to uh, look at the Bible without being dictated to them. It's asking them to respond, but if their response is to say, we're not interested or not now, that's their response. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we say that a lot, actually, within within SU. 
Mm-hmm. That this is what we're about, exploring the Bible, allowing them to explore the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, because anyway, you know, if, if you come in uh, and you're saying, this is what you must believe or you can't be any part of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just exposing children to the Christian faith and giving them an opportunity yeah. um, to examine it and, and to look that, at it. That, that's right. And um, we had a... We had a bit of a, a complaint recently from some parents that there was only one view being expressed on on something um, in a in an issue session, and that their children didn't really feel they could express what they thought, and and you know that that's not exactly how we want things to develop. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have strong views, as you would imagine, on yeah. a whole range of things, but we do want to. to um, give children the ability or young people the ability to actually raise their issues, mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. Um, and not to feel get them immediately trodden down because mm-hmm. of that. So if that happens, then we've we've made an error, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or we've not lived up to what we want to live up to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're involved in a lot of mission work, you know, this year already. I'm from I'm from Paisley, so I was interested in what you're doing in Fergus Park. Mm-hmm. You've done stuff mm-hmm. in Aviemore. You do stuff all around the country. Well, what does a typical scripture union mission look like? It, it, it's mainly a, a holiday club type type thing with some additional stuff, and that is one of the key partnerships that we yeah. have with churches. It's, it's one of our main ways in which we work with the local church, and we've had this this policy of trying to say we will work with you intensively for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the hope that uh, you will be able to carry it on so that it's not us continuing on year after year, yep. we, we can then go and start something fresh. Now, we're, we're changing that slightly in that we um, there are some churches who want more uh, longer-term help, but we would try to appoint an internal team leader okay. that we would still support through training okay. and, and uh, any way we, we can. But it's it's very much a case of trying to... Uh, to do something that then will continue. Um, and we've done some research on that, and, and we'd love to, to see when we are withdrawing a bit, see things right. happen more, although it's, it's, it's happening in the largest number of places. Uh, but it would generally be a, a, for a, a, a primary school age group um, during the day where we would do the holiday club type stuff with activities and Bible stories and singing and quizzes and crafts and that kind of stuff. And then there'd often be an evening for yep. for young people and there'd always be a, a family event of some sort yep. uh, during the week as well to try and link in yep. with family. So that that's basically what right. a mission would, would be. Can I talk a, a wee bit about youth workers? Mm. Um, because I work with generation, um, involved in mission, and helping churches with strategy, hiring staff is an issue that, that comes up. And the default position, in my experience, is that the first hire that churches go for is a youth worker. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that in almost every situation, it's the wrong hire. Uh, for various reasons, churches see it as a silver bullet, churches mm-hmm. see it as the way in which they can get young people into church. Now, I know that you're not anti-youth worker. No. Through your associated worker uh, program, you you help many churches with youth workers. What advice would you give a church that's looking to hire someone 
as a youth worker. Because mm. mm. I think if I'm right in what you're, what I'm assuming you're saying is that often a youth worker comes in and then some of the volunteers that have been doing some of the stuff stand that back. One and, of, that is a great, that is one, and, one of the issues. And expect. Or the wider the, expectation that a youth worker is going to, you know, aye, to use the phrase, aye. get the young people yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So it's another aye, question I was asked aye. by a colleague recently. He's got a fairly large church, um, but he's noticing the age profile is going up and up. And he says, David, how can I get my church younger? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from going into a time machine, what would you say, Andy? <laughs> um and, and and a youth worker maybe um maybe part of the the answer to that but but it it uh, to to imagine that somehow things are going to necessarily change immediately just because a youth worker comes in or that they will end up in uh what often is a a service on a sunday which is what you're looking for yeah. uh, in a context that is is very foreign to the young people yeah. is is a big ask, isn't it? Yes. I, uh, I mean, one of the things I always say to folk is, you know, try and make your, your worship service multi-generational. Uh-huh. So it's really difficult for those of us who are aged to appeal <laughs> to absolutely every, everybody. And there's nothing more ridiculous than an old guy getting down with the kids. It really is not a very pretty sight. <laughs> But to just read about what kids are into, mm-hmm. to you know, illustrate your sermons, to just try and engage with the folk mm-hmm. who are around. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. No, I think I think that's I think that's right. I think I suppose what you're what, one of the concerns that that um, that you're you're talking about, if I've understood you right, David, is that. Um, w- we're kind of desperate, aren't we? Uh, we get into this desperate situation. It's a silver bullet aye, that I'm aye, worried about. Aye. And and so people have not sufficiently thought through what actually do we want to accomplish here? What is it that we we expect to or hope will will happen as a result? And and therefore, and and I think that's partly why. And again, this probably gets to your concern. Youth workers often don't stay that long mm-hmm. within a church. Uh, they move on pretty speedily, partly because um, the thing has not worked out that well yeah. at the start, partly because it's not really seen as a long-term commitment yeah. either. Yeah. You know, the, it, it's a kind of stepping stone onto yeah. something else. So I think it, it's finding what exactly do we want to accomplish here? And and the person who's coming in, is this a call to to... To a, a specific ministry that may or may not lead on to mm-hmm. other things, but certainly it's not a stepping stone. And I think one of the things that we have, um, through our, as you mentioned, our associate um, associate schemes, which are really partnerships of churches, yeah, um, and they have appointed a youth worker who works across the churches, but has uh, strong links with us, and always has a strong element of schools work. That has been that has been positive, but. Inevitably, not all the churches are going to see the impact of that, and they have to face that with open eyes yeah, to recognise yeah. that it's not going to transform it. But um, you see, in, a, in our own church, uh, we have a an excellent youth worker, and for a time there were there were young people coming along to the church. Now that is not really happening. But 
but there's some great work going on. The gospel is going out there to, to young people. We're not necessarily seeing the benefits of it because they're going off to university and then, you know, and and following, definitely following Christ. There's been some great examples of that, but we don't really see it. But it's still work for the kingdom that is happening. Let me move on to another couple of things. We've just got a few minutes left. I mean, two of your core values uh, are depending on God and deepening relationships. Mm. Now, you know, every organization can come up with core values and, you know, <laughs> it's all motherhood and apple pie, isn't it? You know, yeah. they're all pretty, pretty standard. But I'm, <laughs> I'm interested in that one, depending on God. Is there ever a time in an as an organization, you guys have really gone out on a limb and you've thought, ooh, this, this is risky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this, this could go either. You've really gone out in faith here. Um, or what other ways as an organization have really had to depend on God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I suppose a, a couple of things come to mind. And, <clears throat> and one um, is the... Um, the partnership that we develop with Soul Survivor, because mm-hmm. that is clearly coming from one one end of the spectrum of sure. of evangelicalism, and uh, and certain people were really concerned about that. It it has and and we wouldn't necessarily feel uh, entirely happy with everything that Soul Survivor does, but we felt that for the cause of of the wider cause of the kingdom in Scotland, it was the right thing to do. And uh, it has, um, it now is the case that we are taking on uh, a a festival type event, which will have more of an SU kind of branding to it. uh, And it's called Magnitude that will happen. But that in some ways was, was a step that, that has and, and will continue probably to bring some questions about us. uh, And, um, we, but we we believe that there's something there that uh, that God is working through. I suppose the other main thing has been the more recent stuff uh, around our uh, our ethos statement and just um, uh, who we uh, who we um, encourage to be to be working with us and the fact that we are um, we we are saying that there are certain standards of belief but also of lifestyle that mm-hmm. that, that will be asked of people. And, and you're very open. You go onto your website and you see, you know, that you hold to the historic truths of Christianity. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all these things that are clear there. You hold to, a, you know, a biblical view of marriage, a mm-hmm. biblical view mm-hmm. of gender. Does that, I mean, it's been a controversial period. Yeah. But you just feel that in... in I'm interested in how you how should should one deal with controversy? Mm, mm. I think um, what what we've the the tack we've taken in this is that we want not to kind of draw red lines and therefore right from the beginning say there's no conversation here, sure. there's no discussion here. We've we've um, explicitly. This is a daft thing to say. We explicitly set out things in a way that that is um, that is hopefully non-confrontational, which will allow us to discuss with people. Sure. So there are so many people who have just not thought through the issues of lifestyle, yep. 
we don't want to say simply, well, you know, you've nothing to do with us. Let's let's talk about it. Let's find out where you're coming from. Where's your understanding? Where have you got your understanding from? So that we can actually um, talk, not not from the point of view that we're we're going to change, that we we have set out what we believe and we want to be faithful to that. But on the other hand, there is opportunity to un, to try to talk and understand where others are coming yep. from. So I, I think that's that's a big thing, and to try and be be gracious in that. Um, and I, I suppose the other thing is not not to kind of knee-jerk reaction to everything that's said. There's a lot of stuff that's been said about us that we've just chosen yep. to say nothing You've about. And I, and I, think, I think that is a, there's some biblical mandate for that, isn't there? You know, the Lord Jesus is accused and he says nothing. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you know the scripture says he, even a fool seems wise if he doesn't open his mouth. Just <laughs> one of those humorous passages <laughs> from the book of Proverbs. Yeah. Um, Andy, it's been great talking to you. Um, and just to wind up, what you got in the in the oven as regards Scripture Union for the next mm. few months? What's your next mm-hmm. big thing? What yep. are you excited yep. about? A couple of things, really. We've developed, along with SU England and Wales and Ireland, this uh, project called Shine, which is a three-week project, two weeks in schools, secondary schools. So it's secondary school mission or evangelism, really. And uh, the first two weeks are are um, spent um, preparing, so um, thinking about the kind of questions that your non-Christian friends will raise, thinking about uh, praying for your friends who aren't Christians. And then the third week is an opportunity to do something, have a project, have a an event, um, a discussion, you know, a lunch bar type thing uh, where you can get your friends along and, and present the gospel to them. It happened in 40 schools uh, mm-hmm. last year, and we're hoping, you know, it's going to go up by quite a bit this mm-hmm. November. Mm-hmm. So three weeks of um, of uh, of well preparation and then and then outreach so that's that's a big thing and it, it really is focusing on evangelism within schools um but done by by young people and and i suppose one of the things we feel is that if the day ever comes and you know we do hope it doesn't but if the day ever comes where where we are excluded from schools does that mean evangelism will, will mm-hmm. stop of course not the young people mm-hmm. if we can equip the young people to be peer evangelists that that's well it's when the gospel when folk attempt to stop it it spreads more that's just the way it happens <laughs> uh, it's an irrepressible force uh, andy thanks for telling us about shine magnitude bible live equip so many great initiatives um be assured of our interest in prayers for thank you, Union. thank you. and that. our listeners as well please engage have a look at issues scotland website which is really excellently well put together so much material and information andy it's been great talking to you thank you david pleasure